Hi, I'm Orla McConnon and you're listening to Adulting with Friends. So over the course of this podcast, I'm going to be talking to some of my best friends and some of Ireland's biggest influencers, and I'll be asking them who they were when they were 17, who they are now, and why adulting is just so hard. Today I am here with one of my favourite Instagrammers ever. Stop. Uh, She's my go-to when I need to be told, yes, it's okay to buy any makeup (laughs) at all. Uh, It's Simone Scribes. Yay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. It's so excited. Uh, 12 o'clock, we're drinking rosé, <laughs> very on brand. Living the dream. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about adulting. Yeah. Um, you've lived in loads of places. I have. <laughs> um, so I'm so interested to hear uh, your thoughts, your favourite places, how you're finding living at home again. Yeah. Well, it's not really home Ireland yeah but not home yeah um so okay tell everyone what you do now and like a bit about you okay um I'm from Galway originally um but I've been living in Dublin for the last two years before that I lived overseas for 10 years with my husband and my son and we've obviously just come back in the last two years so we lived in the Middle East for um seven years and we lived in Southeast Asia and Singapore for two years before that and before that we were in England so it's been a bit of um I don't know it's been a bit of a shock coming home because it's it's not really home because we're in Dublin and neither of us are from Dublin so but we're two years in now so we're getting settled um starting to even out a little bit for us so um work-wise I used to be a makeup artist many 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 moons ago and that's what got me into the beauty industry and and that's where that all begun I started a blog um that's it's still alive but I haven't updated it for a long time (laughs) um I started a blog I think it's eight years old now or nine eight or nine years old yeah um so I did that I worked as a session makeup artist in Singapore and then a little bit in the Middle East and then I went into writing beauty writing um, at first freelance and then I just went in-house. I was working for Grazia and then I decided I want to stay in publishing long term. Okay. So I stayed in that for a few years and then we moved uh, within the Middle East and I ended up working for Time Out and I worked for them for a couple of years. And at that point, digital was really starting to pick up in the Middle East. Yeah. It was a little bit behind compared to here, but it was something I was really into. And obviously I'd had the blog for years and I had friends who worked in digital and So an opportunity came up for me to go out on my own and start doing, um, you know, copy for websites, social media management, um, photography um, and all that kind of stuff. And so that's what happened. I went into that and I've been working for myself now for, I would say, five years almost. But you're mainly doing that in the Middle East still or do you do you? Do that in Ireland? Yeah, I do it in Ireland as well. It depends on the project or if it's a rolling thing or if it's a one off project. Um, I would work for some people sort of on a rolling basis and then others I might do one month for them or three months or or even just content. So I might be approached um, by a brand who would say we need 30 images of this product or they might want images and copy to go with it or it just depends. It's really varied. Right. Yeah. And when, so when you were doing the writing, you, you didn't do journalism, though, did you? No, in I college? didn't know my degrees in psychology. Um, so is it? Yeah. So it's a lot of obviously there was a lot of writing in psychology. Like, yeah. oh, my God, all I did was write essays. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of it's in our family. Like my brother is a journalist. My grandmother okay. was a writer. So there is a lot of that 
I, I don't know, I just kind of fell into it. Yeah. And I've but always... But you're a brilliant writer. Oh, thanks. You are, yeah. <laughs> thanks. You know, it was funny. I was showing a post that I did to my mum ages ago on Instagram. And she says to me, yeah, you're always very dramatic, you know. And I said, <laughs> yeah, I know. And she's like, no, no, even a dramatic writer. She said, I remember when I was in like fifth class or sixth class, we had to write some essay about something. And it was the most dramatic, like <laughs> I was creeping down a hallway and suddenly in the distance yeah. I heard a door creaking and all this, like it was just pure drama, you know. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's always been in our family. So there's, there's a lot of writers um, on my mum's side. So, okay. Yeah. Did you consider doing journalism? No, not yeah. really, no. It was it just, always psychology yeah, that you wanted it was, to do. It was what I wanted to do for for a while. I thought I was going to be a counselor. I thought I'd yeah. be great at that. <laughs> I, I think you would. Oh, stop. I don't know. I think I'd be too, like, you know, like, if it was relationship counseling, I'd be like, he didn't do that, yeah. did he? <laughs> yeah. What an asshole. <laughs> like, I just don't think Sips. I would. Gee. Like, I'm really into human behaviour and why we do what we do. And I think that's why I thought... I would like to do it, but I think ultimately I don't think I have, it's a very niche skill set to be a counsellor or to be a therapist. I just don't think that I have it. You really have to divide yourself away and just be like. So, but I always enjoyed the writing and then just because I was in the beauty industry, um, it kind of just merged into doing a little bit of writing and then more and then more and then mainstream and then, and that's what happened. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a few questions about your 17-year-old self. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so you're going to answer these okay. as 17-year-old Simone. Okay, the first one, easy-ish. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite makeup product? You know, I don't know. I think, I know when I was 17, there was a lot of Rimmel. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of Rimmel products. But also, I have really clear memories of using a lot of Miss Selfridge makeup, you know, the stackable pots. Yes. Yeah, I used a lot of I those. I totally forgot about them. Yeah, I had like a metallic, like duck egg blue eyeshadow. <laughs> I used to love that. Um, yeah, so th- they were my main... I don't think we even had highlighters then. It was just eyeshadows yeah, no. and... It was all cream It was all cream, and yeah. It was- I used a lot of those and I used a lot of Rimmel. I'm pretty sure as well there was a Max Factor pan stick in there. I think we all used those at some point. But just, you know, heavy Mm -hmm. and a a lot, like bright. That was my main makeup uh, (laughs) vibe back then. So did you wear makeup from like a young age? Oh, yeah. And you were allowed to and it was fine. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just broke my parents down eventually. They were like, (laughs) just let her off. You know, I remember being in the the bathrooms in secondary school before we'd get the bus home, just slathering it on with my friend, yeah, Blonde, that we used to be in the bathrooms together, putting it on, our Miss Selfridge stacking pots. And um, I don't know, it was just, I've always been into it. Like I, I watched my grandmother and her makeup and my godmother's a makeup artist and so I was always around makeup from a very young age and it just I had had this babysitter I remember when I was really young Gillian and when my parents used to go out I'd be like did you bring your makeup back and she'd say yeah and she used to do my makeup for me I must have been like 11 or 12 or 11 I think or even younger oh my god I used to look in the mirror and be like oh I thought I looked about 20 like I just (laughs) thought it was so so great you know and then we'd take it off before my parents came home and yeah I just I don't know I've always been really into it not I I don't think I was very good for a long time but the passion was there (laughs) and would you've been into skincare yeah I was a little bit but not out of kind of passion it was more out of necessity like like I said my godmother was in the industry and she was actually the first person to give me skincare she gave me the clinique you know the three step oh yeah yeah um and I used that and she used to always say to me like you need to look after your skin and and my mom and my grandmother always used Pond's cold cream and so I kind of just did it like I always cleanse tone moisturize yeah. but I didn't really 
understand yeah, it. Yeah, you just knew I just you had knew, to do it yeah. and you saw them doing it. And, and just... so, I don't know, I think my skincare obsession came in sort of early, early to mid-twenties um, when we were living away. We were in Singapore and I just started to get pigmentation and I was started panicking about the sun and yeah. um, eye cream and like, you know, all this kind of stuff. And and I think that's when it really, like I'd always use skincare, but it was kind of sporadic, like what was what was in, what was new, whatever. Yeah. But I started to really get into it and read about it and understand Look it a bit more then. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I getcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, on a weekend, what time do you get up? Um, when I was 17, I was living in Spain. Um, I was actually working as a rep, which is gas, at the time of my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. A rep getting someone into the bar? I used to, no, no, I used to work in the airport. So oh, it wasn't, it wasn't oh as, as uh, cool as that. But yeah, well, I was, we all I was know in the airport. I was an airport rep. So I was, yeah, we used to, I used to do shifts in the airport in Spain. I was working with, um, Falcon at the yeah. time, Falcon JWT, and then they were bought by somebody else years later. And now I don't know what the hell they are, but yeah, that's what I was doing. So at the time, work days, I was up at like five or six a.m. every day, and then we had one day off a week, and I don't think I got up <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah, until night time, yeah. and then we went out, and <laughs> yeah. that was it. So yeah, very early, and then very late on the days off. So and repping, would you have been like the person getting people off the bus? And then bringing them to their hotel and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we did a lot of Nightmare, that. Yeah. yeah, so we we had some airport shifts where we just worked in the airport. So we would like greet flights, bring them to whatever coach they were going to, and then you might go back into the airport and do it again and do it again and do it again, or else you might be the one that also gets on the coach with them and okay. then brings them to the resort. And oh my god, I had the best crack. Like really? it was, it was just really. And I think about it now, like I look back and I think I really, as a 17 year old, like I was not, I I would never consider myself extroverted or overconfident. And I definitely wasn't then. But obviously, like I had a bit of balls going on that I I buggered off at 17. Did you know anyone? Nobody. And how did you even find out about the job? You just saw it. They did. Yeah, they did some advertising thing in Ireland and I can't even remember where I saw it but I remember I had to go up for a big open day it was in Dublin okay. so it was a big thing yeah. you know to go from Galway up to Dublin for the day oh my god <laughs> and I had to get like a new outfit I think I went into Benetton and I got a new <laughs> shirt I was wearing like a pink shirt or something but we had to go up and there was a load of girls there there was 20 or 30 of us and um it was just kind of a summer thing I just thought it'd be really fun I was really yeah. bored of of being in Galway and I always wanted to go away. I always wanted to work overseas. I always wanted to travel. We'd, we'd done a bit of traveling when I was a kid and both my parents would have done a good bit of traveling. And so it, it was always kind of in me and I, I wanted to just, you know, do stuff, do something fun. And so we went up for this big thing and I think they were only recruiting like eight people out of 30 or something. And so we had a group interview and then we had to do a presentation about like, we had to pick a country and pick a city and do a presentation on that. Like the okay. best things to see and do, da, 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 da. So I picked Cyprus because we used to holiday a lot there when I was little. And um, I remember doing that, shaking all the way through, but it was it was good. I enjoyed yeah. it. And then we had a one on one interview and yeah, I ended up getting it. And I remember I think my parents were like, yeah, sure, look, let her off to do whatever. And then <laughs> yeah. I got the job and they were like, Shit. what? <laughs> what do you mean you're leaving? Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going. So, um, yeah, so I went. I, I always remember, I vividly remember landing the airport. I was put in Mallorca first. So we were moved around like different parts of Spain. Okay. But I was put in Mallorca. I remember landing. It was two or three o'clock in the morning. I didn't speak a word of Spanish at the time. I didn't know anybody. And there was only one person at the desk of the company I was working for because it was like the graveyard shift. Yeah. And she just said, yeah, you, you have to go outside on whatever coach to get to the office and then you'll 
get brought to where you're living and what you're doing. And I just remember going out and like trying to speak to this Spanish guy who was didn't couldn't understand what I was saying. I yeah. don't know what he was saying. And I just thought, oh my God, what am I doing? Like this was such a mistake and everything. But I got my way around it, got there. And then, I mean, over the course of the few years that I did it, like I made some unbelievable friends and we're all still in touch now, which is really? amazing. Yeah, like everybody's got married and had kids. And when I just think back, like the absolute crack that we had there was And you amazing. did it for more than one summer? Yeah, yeah, I did it for a couple of summers. Yeah. So did you go back then and go to college? Um, no, I did my degree in my 20s. Oh. Yeah. So I, I did it all a bit backwards. You know, uh, my parents were like, she's not very academic. Um, I think she just wants to travel. And I was like, yeah. So I went and did that. A gap year. I know, a big gap year. Yeah. And then um, when I came back and I was working and I thought about going back to study, but I didn't really want to stay in Ireland. Mm. And then um, I met my husband and we got engaged and married and then we moved overseas. And I thought, you know what, now is the time. If I'm not going to do it now in my 20s, I'm never going to do it. Yeah. So I studied with... Um, the University of Derby and I did my degree it took me five years it was really hard yeah. I think harder I had friends who like done degrees who were like commiserating and like supporting me by saying it's much harder doing it on your own you know like you're doing really great like I found it very difficult but I did yeah. it and so that was it God yeah and when did you meet Aiden? Adrian Adrian yeah <laughs> um, I actually met him when I was 16 Stop. Yeah, yeah. We met when I was really young um, in Galway. He was in university there and I was, you know, out in the town. He was working in the nightclubs at the weekends, like as a bouncer. And um, that's how we met. And then we kind of dated briefly and then I buggered off overseas. After yeah. that, I was like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and then we lost touch. I didn't see him again. And then I just ended up back at home one, I can't remember what year it was. It was a good few years later. It was like f- maybe five years after we'd met and I okay. was in my mum's house trying and failing to get on to friends on MSN Messenger who were overseas because that's right. obviously was all the rage yeah. <laughs> yeah. at the time. And um, he uh, added me. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember him. And and how long were you dating oh, before? Oh, like a few weeks. Oh, like okay, it was nothing, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and so we got back in touch and that was it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So what it. year did you get married? Uh, we got married in 2008. So we've been married 11 years now. Wow. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm an owl one now. An owl That's married impressive. One. Yeah, but from the minute you married, you just left Ireland, gone. We'd actually left before we got married. We moved to England um, and we were there. I don't know, something came up, I think. It was, yeah, something came up for him over there for work. And I thought, yeah, let's go, you know. And we went and we kind of all intentions to stay there. Like we hadn't really thought about going anywhere yeah. else. And then an opportunity came up in Singapore and... We were in Leeds, I think. That's where we were living in, in Yorkshire. We were there about 10, 11 months, maybe. And this came up and we just thought, feck it, let's yeah. go. I think at the time it was about a year or 18 months, certainly away from the massive recession that hit right, Ireland okay. and everywhere else. And we kind of just thought, like, if we don't go now. You knew it was coming. Yeah. And, knew, and so, yeah. but it was one of those things we thought we'd go for two years. And sure, we were gone for 10 yeah. in the end. Yeah. <laughs> So funny. Yep. So, yeah. So you went to Singapore first. Yeah. Then where did you go? Then we went to Bahrain, which is yeah. like a tiny little island beside Saudi. So we were there for two years. Absolutely loved that. Loved really? Bahrain. Did oh you my like God. It there? Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Just, oh, I just loved it. Like it was, I don't know, I can't even, like the, the expat community there is small, but amazing. Yeah, everyone kind of knows each other, Everyone knows they? each other. Everyone would do anything for you because nobody has family. So all you have is each other. Yeah. Um, I just loved the people. I had lots of Bahraini friends. I loved the culture. I loved, I just loved everything about it. Like it was just 
brilliant. Yeah. So we were there for two years, absolutely loved it. And then we left there and we went to Dubai. And so we were there for the last stretch before we yeah. got home. Okay. Yeah. Would you go back to Dubai? I would, yeah. To be honest, I'd go would anywhere. You? Yeah. Would you live there for the rest of your life though? Probably not. Yeah. No, probably. I, well, you can't anyway, unless they change the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, no, I probably wouldn't. I would go back. Um, I mean, Charlie was born there and I have a yeah. lot of grow for Dubai. I really do. But I probably wouldn't. It wouldn't be a life thing, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would go back. I would go. I would go. I would go back to Singapore. I would go back to Bahrain. Like I would, you know. Re- where was your favourite out of all of them? Like, I Leeds. don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I think I liked them all. I think Leeds was very difficult for us because, oh my God, we were so lonely there. Yeah. We didn't know anybody. Um, we didn't know the city that well. And I don't know, it was a really hard time for us. We were planning the wedding and all that kind of stuff. And it was just difficult. And it, there was nothing exciting about it because obviously it's just like Ireland. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? No. The weather was crap. Like, <laughs> There's it was nothing just, exotic in no. Leeds. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, it was just hard. And so... Like we've been back since, like obviously we yeah. have family there and stuff and we've been back and it's a great city, but it's it's not one I look back with like extreme fondness and think, God, that yeah. was great. Whereas Singapore, I loved, I absolutely loved, I loved Bahrain and I loved Dubai, especially because Charity was born there. And yeah. so like I like them all. I couldn't compare them. Yeah, they're, they're all different, different in their own way. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I like them all, to be honest, I don't know if I favorite. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was in Abu Dhabi, but I think... Because I was crew. Mm. I had a totally different experience. Yeah, experience. for sure. Like, was I ever sober? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still don't know. <laughs> well, you have some memories. That's the main thing. Yeah. If it wasn't for Facebook, uh, would I? <laughs> no. Like, I think because I didn't have like a proper routine or anything. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm just like, I don't know if I could ever live in the Middle East mm. properly. Mm. But then I think when people do have the right routine, they just absolutely love, love it. Yeah. I mean, there is something about, I think as Irish people, we are like affected, obviously, on some other level by the weather. Yeah. The darkness, the clouds, the rain. And so waking up, I mean, this isn't specific to the Middle East, obviously, but waking up in sunshine every day, it just does something to your brain. Yeah. You know, you you just get up and you do stuff and you enjoy it. You enjoy every part of your day and then you come home you go to bed and you start it all over again the next yeah. day like there is something amazing for us having grown up in this climate living yeah. in that kind of climate I think that's part of the reason I went to Spain when I was young as well because I just couldn't I just wanted to get away I just have a real summer I mean I remember flinging open the shutters in the house I was living in when I was in Spain and just thinking Jesus like it was just blue skies far as yeah. you could see amazing and I think that probably affected me when I was so young that I just I mean the weather here really upsets me to be I know it's just grim isn't it <laughs> it's uh, it, like Dublin is a lot milder though I have to say like Galway is it gets it rough yeah mad. but um yeah and did you find it hard working in the Middle East like did you find that it was different not really no I, I mean yeah. I was predominantly like I said in publishing and you know I worked in a big office with a couple of hundred other people and Everybody was Irish or Australian or American or English or wherever. And it was just a big melting pot and everybody was in the same boat because we were all expats. Yeah. Um, and well, most of us are expats. I think there was some people who had, well, actually, no, they were still expats, but they'd been born and raised in the Middle East and never left. Yeah. So they'd grown up there, um, but their parents were from different countries and whatever. Um, 
But no, I didn't. It was very normal. It was just very, went to work every day, did my job, came yeah. home. But like I said, it was in the sunshine. And okay, sometimes extreme, uncomfortable sunshine, yeah. but, but it was still sunny. <laughs> so even when we were really hot, I just remember being like, appreciate it. Appreciate this. Like you yeah. don't want to go back home. Like, you can actually feel your insides just like oh, stop. bending. I and you're know. like, it's great. I know. Though, it's sun. It? It's sun. It's great. You yeah. know. But no, I found it very normal, very easy. It's a real, I mean, especially Dubai, like they are, you know, very open-minded and open to international business and the infrastructure is just amazing yeah. for business. So no, it was great. I had a great time there. Yeah. Yeah, I must go back, but I think I'll need a while before I can see it again. <laughs> I think it's been like two years since I've been back and I'm like, I need another yeah, two and yeah. then maybe I'll give it a go yeah. and see. Um, okay, this is an interesting one. Most expensive thing you've bought? Um, okay, when I was 17, the most expensive thing I bought, it was probably my CD player, to be honest. Really? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was really into my music at yeah. the time. And I had a cassette Walkman. You know, we all had those. Yeah, yeah. And then after a while, I remember the CDs came in. And so then I bought a CD player that had little speakers Mm -hmm. and I used to bring it with me like when I traveled and stuff. So I think that was the most expensive. Like the fact that I remember buying it usually at that age is an indicator that it cost me a lot of (laughs) money. That it hurt. So yeah, I would say that's that was my most expensive thing. And what would you have been listening to? Oh, God, Boys to Men. Really? Oh, my God, Boys to Men, Snoop Dogg, um, the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh God, Limp Biscuit! Oh, <laughs> Jesus, it's all coming back I now. Think you about it. Yeah, I, I still have very eclectic music that is taste. So funny, but yeah, yeah. The Boys to Men thing actually was hilarious because at the time, for some reason, we couldn't get Boys to Men here, or or they didn't have certain albums or whatever. Anyways, yeah. it was very thin on the ground. So my godfather lived in Los Angeles at the time and he used to get them for me and post them. Oh my God, yeah. it used to just make my My life. aunt used to do that. <laughs> yeah, we mustn't have been able to know. get a lot of I stuff. I know, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. I suppose like they, maybe they weren't that big. I remember like NSYNC and stuff. I'd be like, please, Bernie. I know, NSYNC, yeah, they were big as well. I remember they came to Dublin, I think when I was in in sixth class or fifth class or was it Backstreet Boys one of them anyways I remember people were just losing it because they were coming to Dublin yeah. and everyone was freaking out but yeah no I had very eclectic music taste so, but I always had music on and so that's why I got the CD player okay. yeah. would you have gone to gigs and stuff? no not really no I wasn't a real I'm still not one of those really? no even if like I don't know even if one of my favourite artists or something like that I just I'm not a gig person. I don't like concerts. Okay. I just have never been like that. Um, and then I think when I, once or twice I did, like for example, like I've been a huge lifelong fan of Buster Rhymes, like enormous yeah. oh worship. I, I know, random. I know. <laughs> huge fan. Um, and when we were in the Middle East and I was working for Time Out, he was coming to Dubai for a gig. And the, the nightlife and culture editor said to me. I remember me, this actually. Yeah. He said to me, um, do you want to go and interview him? Because obviously you're you're the fan. Like nobody, nobody else in the office was a fan. Oh my God. I was like, yeah, I was so excited. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a disaster. Like the PR was ringing me saying, oh, no. he's not up. He's asleep. He's something else. He was busy doing something else. And then she couldn't get hold of him or something. And then 
I was supposed to go before the gig to interview him and then she rang me and said, can you come after the gig? And you know, later, later on, and I said, okay. And I was just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then eventually I went and I was waiting to just be let up because he was staying in the yeah. penthouse to do the interview. And she said, I'm sorry. He just, his manager said he's too tired. He just want to do it. What? And I thought, oh my God, okay. And so I thought, well, you know, this, these things happen. Yeah. So I went to the gig. We were in the club from like 11. Um, I had my friend with me and he was supposed to be on stage at 12. The club closes at three. He came out at 20 past two onto the stage. Wow. Um, we were stood right in front of it. It was only a small stage. Um, and it was just the worst gig. It was awful. What's that, that saying? Shocking. Like never meet your idols yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it was. He had a DJ who essentially carried the load of the concert on his shoulders. He just did most of the work. Like Buster and he just, just kind of stood there. He just paced and up and down with his drinks and he kept like cursing and roaring like let's get fucked up and this kind of stuff but he didn't he didn't do much that's what you've been doing all day yeah and like <laughs> half an hour in I just thought oh my god this is the end devastated wow, I know oh no. so we left we left early it was just not great and and it kind of ruined it for me yeah and then I went with friends to see Drake he was in Dubai fab yeah same thing. Like, it just wasn't that busy. I think they'd picked an auditorium or a stadium or whatever that was too big anyway. Right, okay. Even though he is obviously massive. It was only, I'd say, a third full. And everybody I'm surprised because he's big over there. Yeah, everybody went down, like, to the, you know, not the pit or, you know, the, the bit that's not, it's right in front of the stage. Yeah. And we, because we were old women, we stayed in the stands near the bar. <laughs> and uh, it was just, just not great, yeah. you know? Like, it just, and the... You know, obviously the dawn of the internet, we see people all the time on YouTube at concerts and we know what the drill is. And then suddenly you're at a concert and you see him come out and he does the same things that you saw him do on YouTube. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. And I, after that, I just thought, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, I just don't enjoy. I saw him actually at Coachella. OK. Shite. Really? He was the worst person ever. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It was just the worst set. Right. So obviously he's just not good life. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It was. Yeah. So I don't as a rule now and, I, and the thing is in Dublin obviously there's loads of great gigs and loads yeah. of great artists come here but I just would never I know just wouldn't I just it's not me I just wouldn't go you know and the thought of like oh my god queuing oh stop the after traffic <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> I'm just showing my age like what time am I going to be in bed I've got the effort of this now I will know, I even you know, have to do yeah. the school run like what time you know no it's just not I'd rather watch it on TV <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, what is number one on your bucket list? Um, when I was 17, I think I kind of had achieved it. I wanted to live overseas. Like I wanted okay. to go and live away. And I did that. And when I was away, I never really wanted to do anything else. Like I didn't really have a yearning to go home or yeah, I just wanted to live away and I did it. And so that was my thing. I, I really like, I feel like when I look back when I was 17, I really lived in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think when we're as we get older, we're cursed with like progressing and like doing more and saving and what are we going to be doing next? And you're yeah. constantly thinking like ahead and planning because you have to, you know, especially when you have kids and things like that. But when I was 17, I feel like I lived every day that day. Yeah. And I never thought about what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know yeah, what I mean? No worries. You were just like, no. fuck it, I'll just. So I think yeah. my bucket list was to live away. And I did do that when I was 17. So, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Go me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I've achieved nothing great. <laughs> um, your prized possession. Was it the CD player? Oh, God. When I was 17, my prized possession. Let me think about that. 
Yeah, probably like my CD, either my CD player or my CD Walkman. I'm just trying to think like what was in my room, make my makeup, things like that. No, I didn't really. Yeah, it was probably just my CD Walkman. I didn't really. We didn't have computers or anything then. Like I used to go to an internet cafe to send emails. Even, really? Yeah, like I didn't have the, none of us had laptops like that worked at that time. I think our bosses did, obviously, but it wasn't a thing. Like none of yeah. my friends had laptops or anything. So, no, I think, yeah, the biggest thing I used to trek around with me was my CD Walkman. And were you in the city in um, Galway or were you kind of Well, when I was 17, I was in Spain for most of it. Um, but no, I mean, in Galway, I, I'm from like six, seven miles outside the city. OK. Um, but yeah, no, I was thinking when I was in Spain, that's... But even when I was in Galway, it was the same as the CD Walkman. That's the thing I used to schlep around at me. Like, I just, yeah. I mean, if I think about it, like, there was belts then that you could get <laughs> to, like, hook your CD Walkman on it. I, like, I vividly remember people in Shop Street, like with their CD Walkman visible on their belt. And I'd be like, wow, that looks like a, a new model, you know? If like, I saw someone today cool. wearing that, though, I wouldn't even blink. I'd be like, they work in Urban Outfitters. Yeah, retro, <laughs> you know? super cool. I wouldn't think anything. I yeah. know, yeah. But that was the thing. Like, it was, you just had this enormous <laughs> piece of kit, like, <laughs> your CDs. Oh, stop, yeah. I remember one of my friends, we used to go drinking in a field. Mm. Um, it was called Hole in the Wall, so it was kind of off okay. the M50. Mm. Um, and... Uh, We'd all just be sitting there. Next thing, he'd just walk through this huge field and you'd see the boom box before you'd see him. Oh, my God. It was like enormous. Know, it was like a weapon boxes. of mass destruction. Yeah, it was this huge, huge thing. Know. But like we were like, there's there's no need. We've speakers. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we have iPods. Yeah. This is totally unnecessary. Wow. God, the boom box. I forgot about those. Yeah. They were such a thing. <laughs> yeah, they? they really were. Wow. Yeah, that used to get whipped out now in the, uh, yeah. the house parties yeah. and stuff as well. Well, slowly whipped out. I mean, there was yeah. no whipping yeah. of those things. They were enormous. Can someone help me lift this? Oh, God. Yeah. And would you gone out to like clubs and stuff? In Galway? Were you, were you like into like nightlife or... I don't know. Yeah. Like as a rule, I think that's just what you did. You yeah, went out, yeah. you know, we were all a flusher about which bars and clubs we'd be able to get into. So we were yeah. underage. We had some gas fake IDs back in the day, like just I had like a, a German work permit that a friend of mine had given me because we looked the same. And so her name was Gronia. She was like, here, you can have it. And I'm like, thanks. Nice to be like, hi, here's my fake ID. Yeah, I'm Gronia. Yeah. And always like a friend would let the cat out of the bag by like roaring at you in the queue. Like, Simone, you forgot you're in. I'm like, shut up. Yeah, like, <laughs> but you still turn around. So then you're like, hi, can you just <laughs> yeah. let me in? Yeah. But no, we, we, we just did it. I think at that age, like when I think back, we had the best nights out at that age because the, the majority of us were underage. Yeah. Especially in Galway, like there was some great bars and clubs. And so... If you got in at the beginning of the night, oh my God, you just knew it was going to be a good night because yeah. sometimes you just wouldn't get in. And then if you'd had success in the bars, of course you had to carry on. Yeah. And, and the nights always ended in the nightclub. There was no going home after the bars when you were 16, 17. Yeah. So we would always end up in whatever nightclub would take us. And it's always unreal for a night out though. Yeah, it was. It was oh, so it good. Was amazing. We used to go to like three or four pubs and then we, we knew all the ones to go to to get the free stamp into the nightclub. You know, because yeah. you'd get a free stamp in before 12. We didn't care. What was the one on the square? It's definitely still there. Um, and there's a Cuba? club to the back of it then. It's some bar. Oh, oh God, this, they've changed names so many times now. There was there was the alley. I don't know what that's called now. There was Cuba, which has also changed names. There was like Boo Radley's and 
CPs oh um, was a big God, one. I remember. I don't know what it's called now. I've been there so many times. Yeah. But it was just one of those places they would let you yeah. run riot. Yeah. They didn't give a shit. And they always knew. You'd rock up at like 10 to midnight when the club yeah. was empty. And they'd be like, oh, here they are. <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah. they knew you were underage or close enough to it anyway. But we didn't care. You know, like when you're older, you'd be like, God, you know, we're not going to go wherever until later because there'll be yeah. no crack, you know. But when you're young, you just don't care. You go we, and you make your own crack. Like we this. were saying that the other day. There was um, the palace on Camden Street. If you went before 11, you got free in. Mm. No, like it was only a tenner. Mm. <laughs> but I we know, were but so was, poor. A tenner was enormous to us, and you know. Now if someone said to me, oh, we're going on a night out. Yeah. Be in town for half ten. Yeah. But like, I'll be getting out of the shower then. I like, know. I won't be in town till <laughs> half twelve. I know. Minimum. It's so funny, the isn't it? things you do yeah. when you're just broke yeah. and want to drink. You just drink at home and, yeah. or drink in somebody's house and then go out and... But it, honestly, we had the best time. Yeah. I don't think I ever, I rarely remember having a bad night then because we were just so delighted to be out, <laughs> <laughs> to be served wherever yeah. we went, you know. Yeah, it's funny. When I went to Canada, um, I was 18 and I only went for like four days. Mm. My friends were over there. And um, the night before, they were like, by the way, the drinking age is 19 here. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's oh sake, God. I didn't have any idea. Yeah, yeah. My sister had given me one, I'd lost it. So I was like, she's not going to give me another <laughs> one. So I rang my friend and she was like, I have a fake ID, it's fine. She was like, no, the only thing is, is that you'll have to be Pakistani. <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? <laughs> you couldn't make it Let's up. Let's give it a go. Oh my God. <laughs> so I know, the I confidence of us, that's the other thing. I used it, right? So I walked up. And the guy just looked at me and looked at the ID and he just laughed and he was like, yeah, go on. <laughs> I think he was just like, fair, fair play to her. Play. I'm like, I am the whitest oh person. Gosh. Like, he was just like, this is clearly not you. No. But worked a charm. I know. So thank you, Afshan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it. Okay. Uh, what perfume do you wear? Okay, I know this one super well because I wore the same one for years. I wore YSL Baby Doll. It was in a, it was oh, a, it was a little pink kind of not a bottle. It was one of those flatter. I can't even describe it. Just like a flatter shape, round but yeah. like flat lower. Very um. Oh, if I remember, very like vanilla musky. You know that okay, was yeah. a bit like Angel. Do you remember oh, the other yeah, one? A yeah. bit like that. So yeah, I, I used to wear that. That was it. I wore it for years. I used to buy it anytime I was in duty free or like in Galway. They had the, the perfume shop. I think that was yeah. that was all the rage for a few yeah. years. I used to buy it in there. Um, yeah. So that was the perfume I wore like religiously for and years. You didn't dabble with anything no, else. No, loved it. Really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely loved it. It was my signature scent. Yeah. <laughs> I was really like that. Like, I'm only going to wear this. I know. Once. And then if someone else had it, I'd be like, such notions. Uh, did you hear? She's after going and buying my perfume. <laughs> we might start your perfume one. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That was my. That was my favourite one. I wouldn't veer away from Why Sell Baby Doll. Really? Yeah. And are scents your thing? Like, would you be really into perfumes? Really. No. I mean, I'm still very set in my way even now. Mm-hmm. Like, I would... I have a few different ones, but mm-hmm. I always have one, always the same one, because I just love it. I yeah. used it for years. I was kind of the same then. Like, I would probably yeah. try or... You know, when you're younger as well, people would always get you perfume presents when you're young, like 17, yeah. 18. And I would probably use them, but I would always go back to Baby Doll. Yeah, it's just one of the ones I liked, yeah. Do they still make it? I don't know, actually. I I actually don't know if they do. I certainly haven't seen it. 
for a long time, but maybe you can still buy it online. I don't know. Oh yeah, there's one. Oh, what is it? There is a website where you can get like discontinued perfumes. Okay, right. And like, I mean, yeah. fifteen euro or something. Oh my god! Yeah, you can get them so cheap. God, they were so expensive as well, especially because we were so young. Like it was, you know, a big yeah. thing to buy a bottle of perfume. Yeah. But even now, it kind of kills me to buy perfume because I'm like, this it is, is still a expensive. gift item. Yeah. This I try and only buy them in duty free, to be honest. Yeah, mostly same. because I just couldn't justify wandering into like BTs and buying and it's overwhelming as well it is yeah I'm gonna have a look around yeah you know so yeah I think it's easier to cope with when you know you want a specific one you march in and buy it and leave whereas if you start browsing you're like everything's a hundred (laughs) quid and it's ridiculous the same (laughs) where are the coffee beans exactly (laughs) exactly um what is your biggest worry my biggest worry when I was 17 Oh my God. I don't know. I don't know what my biggest worry was. I don't think I had any. I don't I think I was very chilled and chilled and worried about college or anything like no, that. No, no, because I'd sack that off. <laughs> I was not going, you know. And had you just decided travelling, that's it. That's it, I'm just gonna go away. And and I, my mum was very supportive, I remember. She was like, Look, university isn't for everyone. If you wanna work, then you can work. Yeah. Um like she I think my mum's very like me, her her parents <laughs> made her go to university so she went but she didn't she never wanted to do yeah. it she just wanted to work so I knew I was kind of like my mum like that and so she was like look if you want to go travel and then come back and get a job and do what you want to do then great and so I think that if if that hadn't happened yeah maybe I would have had other worries or I would have been more insecure like what I'm going to do with my life and yeah but no I didn't I was very my mum was great like she just said if this is what you want to do and I knew when I went away that she was upset that I'd gone and she missed me and everything, but she would never show it. Yeah. She wanted to support me. She wanted me to do what I... And when she I didn't think, want to stop you from... I know, and I think about that now, like as a mum myself now, I don't know how she did it. You know, I, I know. just want to hold my child to me forever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'd never leave home. But she was great. She was like, you have to do what you want to do and figure out who you are. And, and so I think around that time, I was generally pretty carefree. I didn't have a lot yeah. of worries because I was doing what I wanted to do. Did you think you were really grown up and like... Wise I don't know. Yeah, I think I was quite independent anyway. I was yeah. pretty independent, and going away, like I said, it was a bit nerve wracking, but it was an enormous stretch for me. I just really wanted to do it, and so I don't know. I just, it's just mad when I think about it, like how headstrong I was then, and because yeah. I didn't have a lot of worries. We don't, anyways. Most of us, you know, when we're if we're lucky, like at that age. You don't really. They're not real worries. No. They're things that are never going to no, happen. And in your no mind, idea you're like, what's coming. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, it's, you know, I just, I'm really glad, like, that I lived my best life then. Like, yeah. I was talking to one of my friends about this. She actually lives in Kuwait now, but we worked together overseas okay. when we were young. And we were talking about it. And I was saying, God, I'm so glad we lived the lives we did then. Because that's what it's all about. Because then you get older and then you've got the responsibilities and then the worries and everything coming. Because yeah. that's life. And so I'm really glad we had that life because I know some people don't and they do have worries at that age. And, you know, obviously then they grow up and it gets worse. And yeah. So I'm glad that we had <laughs> no cares. <laughs> Completely <laughs> heedless, more like. But anyway, were you ever like, were you sensible with money? Yeah, I would I would say like 95% of the time I was sensible. I remember really? one time I had to call my parents and ask them for money because I'd run out and they were just appalled. And all I wanted was something like 50 euro, I remember, yeah. until it was a couple of days before payday, you know. And I just remember like I was so 
wounded by how disappointed they were. I, I swore. I was like, You'd it's never, never going to happen again. again. And didn't after that. Oh my God, I but wish no, I, I had pretty that good. pride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just really focused on like, this is my money for food. That'll keep yeah. me alive. And then this large portion is for my alcohol. <laughs> like, oh my God. That was my budgeting, you know? Yeah. And then this little bit is for Miss Selfridge and like buying my few bits or it wasn't boots. What was it? There was a big chemist we used to go into in Galway. I can't remember what it was. But I used to buy my bits in there and so no, I was pretty good with yeah. it. Like I was pretty good. So I was woeful. <laughs> I kind of I kind of still am. The other day Jonathan was like, uh, by the way, I've set up a vault on Revolut called oh, Orla yeah. just to bail you out if you ever need it. Wow. I was like, Thank you so much. That's very decent. No, I was like I was just a nightmare. Yeah. Like I quit my job at sixteen because I was like going into the leaving certain I said mom you know I'm just I really have to focus on the leaving certain I'm gonna quit this, like yeah. working in Darth Perkins she was like yeah grand but looking back it was because I'd started drinking yeah. and I was like they're giving me I was only working four <laughs> hours on a Sunday that was it and looking back it was just because I was like I'm too hungover yeah. for this at six I was yeah. like so bad yeah and then she just Giving me out money. Yeah. Poor thing. Oh, I know. I'm going to be a dickhead, mum. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I fucking know the stuff here. You I know what you're up to. Yeah. <laughs> if you do fail believing, sir, well then. I know. Yeah. I'm so bad. But anyway, I've, I've kind of learned, kind of not. <laughs> and I have that vault. Um, where will you be in 10 years? Um, I think when I was that age, I thought... I thought I would be living away. I thought I would be living overseas. I would be mm-hmm. somewhere. I would not be in Galway. I would not probably even be in Ireland. I would be away somewhere. Yeah. Not not knowing specifically what I would be doing, but I just always had a feeling that I would be living overseas doing something mm-hmm. because I just never, I don't know. I never wanted to stay in Galway. Yeah. You know, I just, I always... Like I even remember when we were doing our leaving cert, I just couldn't wait to get out. I just couldn't wait to go somewhere. Yeah. And was Dublin ever? Not really. A, no. no not just really. I just wanted to go away. Experience yeah. something else. I wanted to travel and just I don't know. I just wanted to like do something new and cool. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah, at seventeen, I think if you'd said to me where you're going to be 10 years, I would say overseas. Yeah. I have no idea where or what I'd be doing, but away. <laughs> and did Adrian always want to go overseas as well or was it just a work thing yeah, that kind he, of led you to... he had lived overseas himself on and off um, when we'd met. And even when he was a teenager, like he'd worked away a few summers. And, okay. Um, I think anyway, like most people I know at home, we, you know, it's kind of in us, I think, as yeah. Irish people. Like we all do stuff. We yeah. all travel. We all have people who've gone to Australia or Canada yeah. or the States or family who have emigrated or whatever but um, now it's kind of the done thing now it's, it's kind very, of like you, you have yeah. to take the year at some point it doesn't yeah, matter sure. when you do it but um, but yeah he I suppose we were quite like minded like that so he liked travelling and doing new stuff mm-hmm. and so did I and so it just kind of wasn't a big thing when something came up and we yeah. decided to live away it was like yeah cool let's do it whereas obviously like I remember telling my mum we were moving to Singapore and she was like <laughs> Where's that? And I'm like, it's in Asia, Mom. She's like, I know, but where? Like, it's oh. far. She's like, it's going to take me 24 hours in a flight. And I'm like, no, it's it's only 12. Yeah. Did she go? Yeah, she did. She came out a few times, yeah. But, but it, you know, people at home initially, just the shock of like, yeah. what do you mean? Why? But it's nice when, when you move away because then your parents actually go. Yeah, and then they come and visit. things and, yeah. You know, and um, yeah, it was great. Like, oh God, the excitement when somebody was coming to visit yeah. as well. It was just Oh amazing. my God, yeah, we'd be there. Like, none of us could cook yeah. in Abbey and we'd all be like, right, we'll have a roast. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, like, 
I'm like, that's what you do. You, you know, get so yeah. excited, you know. You're like, let's show that we're actually doing okay. Yeah. Everybody wash. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just Clean ridiculous. The house. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did you not find it hard though having Charlie on your own with just the two of, like I know you had friends and everything yeah. but like being in a different country like that would scare me so much yeah it. I mean I know on paper it was very hard but yeah. I think when you're in it like we certainly didn't have time to think oh my god poor us I can't believe this yeah. is happening to us I can't believe we're here and we've no family and we just got on with it. Like it yeah. certainly wasn't what I had envisaged. I had, I mean, we were supposed to not be in Dubai in the first place, just work and different things had changed. We ended up going to Dubai at the last minute. I was supposed to have Charlie in Bahrain. I had my gynae in the hospital and I, my mum was supposed to fly out the week or two weeks before he was born and it just all went wrong. Like we ended up in a different place, different hospital. My mum broke her foot a few days before she was due to fly oh, out. No. She couldn't come out. And so this like, series this chain of events occurred and the hormones you must have been like yeah and we just yeah but it was weird because you you really do just go into this you know it's fight or flight like you Mm -hmm. you just go into survival mode like this is what it is I was very aware of you know the impact of stress on babies and this kind of stuff and so I was very calm and Mm -hmm. um we just got on with it and we had him and I had him in the hospital in Dubai and it was just the two of us and my husband had to go back to work like straight away. Like there was no, he just started yeah. his job and and so we were just alone. And, you know, but, but the thing is, when I say these things, like I don't, I don't know having a baby any other way. Yeah, you I have don't no know other experience. That's just, yeah. I know I can talk to people or read in a magazine or whatever about people having their kids with their family around them and this mm-hmm. and I think, oh, isn't that nice? But I have no experience of that. So I don't know, I don't have, I don't have any other you don't have regret or jealousy because or no, you're just like because I don't, it, it is what it is it is what it is that's what happened you know we did our best I think obviously when things like that happen to people there's a lot of benefits mm-hmm. in that you become very you know tough and you're able to do whatever and you just get on with it and obviously there's a lot of downsides as well but like I don't know I think we just we were brilliant when I yeah. look back like we just flew through it and we did what we had to do and I, th- I remember like when my mum came out I think the first time she met Charlie he was six months I think the first time she could fly and I remember she was very upset because my best friend had been out before her to see us Mm -hmm. and you know just the way it was and and I remember Anita my best friend saying to me like your poor mom she's so upset she'd brought over stuff for me for my mom and I said I know but Sherlock this is life yeah it's just it is what it is she'll see him at six months he's not gonna know any different (laughs) (laughs) and he didn't (laughs) so you know it was fine it was fine you know and you weren't working then because you just moved over yeah so maternity leave was grand I had gone pretty bad no we were living in Bahrain and I was working for Grazia at the time Mm. and I'd gone on maternity leave like people do and I had planned to go back at whatever point and then we moved we left we left Bahrain and we ended up in Dubai and I thought, oh my God, like, because nothing went to plan, basically. We weren't supposed to be where we were and mm-hmm. nothing was turning out right. And so I had to go back to work, I think, three and a half weeks after he was born or four weeks after he was born. Um, and that was hard, just trying to do childcare in, like, in a city that we didn't really know. Like, when we were in Bahrain, we used to visit Dubai, but it was, like, for, for fun, you know? Yeah. Like, you would go over for a night out or to see friends or do something. But Brunch it wasn't, or yeah, whatever, yeah. It wasn't, like, normal life stuff, so... Yeah, I had to go back to work very early and um, that was kind of hard. Um, but in another way, 
you know, again, we just got on with it. Like, yeah. I never remember sitting and thinking, this is so unfair. Yeah. And there and was like, no other option. No, you had to do it. just so, did it. Yeah. You know, I certainly never remember thinking like, God, I wish we weren't here or I wish we were at home or I wish I had my mum or I wish, you know, it just it just was what it was. And we just got She's on with it. She's very strong. I would be in self-pity <laughs> mode. I'd be stopping people on the street. I know. But did the thing hear? is, you have a, a tiny baby. Yeah. And so you just really, it sounds cliche, but you, you really don't have time. You just don't have time. Like... He has to nap two or three times a day. He has to be fed and he has to be changed. And you're worried all the time about, you know, is he sick? Does he have a temperature? Does he have to go here and there? And you just don't have time. Yeah. You know, you sleep when you can and you try and look after yourself and and that's it. Like it just, that just became normal. And so, yeah. yeah. But it's funny, like, I, I suppose when I, I hear myself sometimes, like, I talked about this on a different podcast like a couple of months ago and I remember listening to it back and thinking, God, I'm such a hard ass, like the way I was saying it, like, <laughs> it was fine. Like, you know, of course there was times where I was upset and things like that, but we just didn't have any other yeah. way to go about and it. And I suppose it was like a long time ago now it was. in a way that it, you Maybe kind of forget now. the... You know, it's, yeah. it does feel... I mean, I do remember, obviously I remember everything very clearly, but it's not something that... You look back on no, it differently now. I yeah. just, it, it just, it's just one of the, it was just a, a stage of our life that we went through and then that was it. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. getcha. Yeah. Jesus, nice smell. <laughs> Get into the deep stuff here. <laughs> do you ever think you're like your mum? Do you ever like do stuff and you're like, oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, all the time. Really? All the time, yeah. I love it though. If I ever do things, I'm like, God, that's so like, mom. I know. I'm like, God, oh, isn't that nice? I hear myself say something or I'll do something. But see, my mum, like, you know, it's funny when you're younger, you're like, oh, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm just going to be my own person, whatever. Yeah. It's just crap. You just can't get away from it. It's yeah. in your DNA, it's like, for God's sake. You. you know what yeah. I mean? It's, you know. But the older I've got, the more I appreciate my mum and the way she, you know, just gets on with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, she's had some tough things happen to her as well. And, and she just gets on with it. She's just a real... She's a person that does very well in a crisis. Right, she's just okay. great for that. She's really, she is there. She is helping. She is the person that you can ring up at any time of the day or night and say, this has happened. Yeah. And she just is brilliant like that. She's just a coper. She's calm, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So I think I have a little bit of that. Yeah. Just in terms of what happened with us when we were away and, and having Charlie and everything. I kind of learned that from my mom. I think it was probably in me, but I didn't know I had it or that I would have to utilize it. Yeah. But you do because you learned it from somebody else. And um, so, yeah, as I've got older, like I'll hear myself saying something or doing something. And I think, oh my God, that's exactly what my mother would have done. Yeah. But now I, I like it. Yeah, I love it. Like if ever I notice things, I'm like, oh, that's actually, I like that. Yeah. You know, she did a good job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Go moms. (laughs) And would she love you to go back to Galway? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, we love Galway, both of us, because, you know, I grew up there. Adrian spent a lot of time there. And it's such a cool city. Yeah. We both got friends there. Obviously, my mum is there and my brother is there. And Charlie loves going back. And it's a lovely city. I would like to think at some point that I would live there again. Yeah. I don't know when that'll be. Um, maybe it'll never happen. I've no idea. But I mean, yeah, she would love if we were back there. I would love it. I, mm-hmm. I know I would love being back there. I don't know for how long, but I don't know. I think we've been away for so long now. They Everybody's just used to us. Yeah. Not being you there. Know, not being so. around or, oh, yeah, we're moving here now. All right, great. Like, yeah. you know, like whatever. <laughs> Next. I think they've just got, I think she'd be really surprised if I announced you're moving back to Galway. Yeah. I mean, she'd be delighted, but she'd be like, no way. Really? It's a nice retreat for now, isn't yeah. it? Like, oh, I love it. Yeah. And especially in the summer, there's no place 
like go in the yeah. summer oh it's magical <laughs> the countryside in general I'm I know just, like in this anywhere in the yeah. summer in Ireland I could be walking down anytime the, the sun is shining yeah. I love Ireland I'm a pedestrian light and I'm like isn't this it's great gorgeous because <laughs> we get a bit of sun oh stuff I know ridiculous we're sun starved here that's the problem Okay, so I'm going to ask you the same questions, but now answered. Oh, great. In God, this time. is very juicy. Okay. <laughs> so your favourite makeup product. Okay. I was thinking about this earlier. So I would say now my favourite product being sensible, like a fail safe, always have it, not particularly glamorous, but something I would use every single day mm-hmm. is my Bobby Brown corrector, my under eye corrector. Really? Yeah, I've used it for years I would say over 10 years now I never don't have it I always have it um I've bought it everywhere we've been I just think it is incredible like if I only had one minute in the morning I would slap that on and a bit of mascara because it's just fantastic and it can't be can't be duplicated there's nothing I've tried other ones yeah I've tried the Charlotte Tilbury one which is good, but it's a little bit oilier. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Bobby Brown one's a tiny bit drier. And I think that's kind of what you need. So it'll stay where yeah. it is. But I always found like even years and years and years and years ago when I was working as a makeup artist, a lot of women that I would work with really didn't need concealer. They were using concealer because they were trying to cover um, blue veins under their eyes or a shadow in the okay, corner. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the time, if you use a corrector, that does the job for you. Yeah, I get you. Concealer is then kind of like, I would use concealer for kind of general brightening and stuff like that. I use concealer every day, but the corrector is my fail safe. Really? Oh yeah, I think they're phenomenal. Yeah. Have you tried the Becca under eye corrector? No. That's really nice, but I haven't used the the Bobby Brown one, so I don't okay. know if, this is pink. Right, yeah, yeah, the one I but have it's kind is, of, is kind of pink, salmon colour. I don't know if you'd like it actually, because it's a bit more oily or okay. there's... Yeah, I like the drier ones. I think it's made more to mix with the concealer. Okay. So maybe I might give that one a go. Yeah, there's a couple of different shades. Concealer on me. There's a couple of different shades. um, And so they're all um, independently to correct different things. So if you have like blue tones or yellow tones or like purplish red tones. So there's a different one to counteract each Mm. tone. So I've always had like blue toned shadows or blue toned veins under my eyes yeah. and so I have this salmon coloured it's called light to medium bisque and that just kind of cuts through it and then it's okay. brilliant it's just f- fantastic that's my that's the product <laughs> Intra- I really wasn't expecting that yeah yeah I know I'm being very sensible here oh my god <laughs> getting, all, getting all the juice today okay on a weekend what time do you get up at um seven half six seven I have a child oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's this joke I saw on Instagram years ago. It was like, yay, it's Friday. Oh, wait, I'm a mom. Yeah, exactly. That's my life now. And I can't, like, even if I'm away for work or if I'm away in a friend's mm-hmm. or what, I, my body will not so sleep in. No. So like, even on a normal day, maybe half seven, that? I might sleep in until, which okay. is, you know. Yeah, like normal days, like weekdays, I get up at 6 a.m., 6, 6.30 a.m. And then weekends, you know, Charlie's our alarm clock, so... He gets up at seven most of the time. So we would at the weekends, we would get up at seven. At Christmas, is he like up at the crack of dawn? Um, yeah, he would be. I don't know. He's a good sleeper. Like, I, I mean, I know when I was little, I couldn't sleep. Like yeah. when Santa was coming and stuff like that. Yeah, same. But Charlie awesome. is, I don't know, he's great like that. Like we tell him and he's very excited. But I think he gets so excited, he just wrecks himself. And so he goes to sleep <laughs> and then he gets yeah. up at seven. Pass we're like, okay, with your trend yeah. come down. So, yeah, so I get up at seven. 
Oh my god! Yeah. I used to um, change the clock on my mum's alarm clock. Okay, I'd change it back an hour, <laughs> and then I would hide it under her bed. Oh my god, you are so. evil! <laughs> and then I had a bell. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and my grandparents used to say, and I'd ring the bell, and I had a song. Like I was weird to be, <laughs> to be fair, and I'd ring it in my grandparents' ears, saying, "Get up!" <laughs> so just, you know, the poor things. Oh my in their seventies, like, uh. oh my yeah. god! I know, but sure, look, it only lasts for a couple of years. Yeah, you know, so yeah. the excitement is is fantastic. So. Oh, I wish, I, I wish it was around. I know. Should we all vividly remember that period of our lives when we were kids? Like, there's nothing like it. The best day of your oh, life. No, I know. <laughs> Literally, I'll be on my wedding day, and someone be like, "Is it the best day of your life?" Like, no. Bring me to the 25th of December <laughs> when I was eight. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Okay, what is the most expensive thing you've bought? Um. The most expensive thing I bought, okay, it's either a pair of shoes or a handbag. I don't know. I'm just trying to remember how much each of them were. I think the most expensive thing I've ever bought it was an Alexander Wang bag. Oh, lovely. It's the Rocco, so the bigger one with the studs on the bottom. Yeah. Um, I think it was. I got it in... I got it from net a I can't remember if there was a sale or if I had a discount code, but I certainly know I didn't pay full price for it, yeah. but it was still a couple of hundred euro. Yeah. Um, but I still have it. Obviously, I bought it like five years ago now, I think, and I still love it. I still I keep it in the dust bag, so it's yeah. it's really maintained itself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that was the most expensive thing. And would you be into splurging on one-off items or are you more like... I don't know, I think... Like, I, I definitely have a few really nice pieces. Like, I have a yeah. couple of very nice bags and some nice shoes. But I'm I'm really about quality mm-hmm. over quantity. Like, I handbags, for example. Like, I remember when Mansur Gavriel first came out a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. They were a real kind of cool, small brand. And they had these amazing totes, these giant, like, bucket-type totes. And... I love I've always loved big tan leather bags mm-hmm. that you can just throw all your shit into like yeah. a laptop and everything yeah. and I wanted to get one and so I bought one because I knew it would be I just knew it would be good quality because it was real leather anyway yeah and I can't remember at the time it was like it was it wasn't ex- it wasn't as expensive as they are now because I bought it way when they first came out like okay. maybe three or four years ago now and it was a couple of hundred euro was it two three hundred euro best buy ever I still have it I wear it almost every day anytime I have my laptop with me it goes in that yeah and the rest of the year or the other you know throughout the rest of the time I don't buy bags like yeah. I, I would never just go browsing and looking at bags it's always very kind of purposeful so the Mansur Gavriel was probably my last big purchase mm-hmm. um I remember I bought a clutch couple of years ago as well from Netaporte from Claire V. I don't know if you've heard of no. her. She's amazing clutch bags. And it's a leopard print fold over like a soft clutch. I got it in the sale. I remember it was reduced to like 150 euro. Oh my God. That is the only clutch I use when I go out. Really? Yeah. So I'm really See, like... It, the bags I think are a great investment. So do I, they, I agree. They will always fit you. It yeah. And if they're good quality are. and they're it's real leather and everything, they yeah. will last forever. Especially if you, you know, if you look after them as best you can, mm-hmm. like if you keep them in their dust bags, you know, if you can, um, they will last. And yeah. they, they kind of look better, I think, as they get older yeah. as well, you know. So. In my mind, I'm always like, I'll buy that Chanel because when I pass it down <laughs> to my daughter. Well, that's an heirloom. That's a different <laughs> yeah. thing, yeah. 
Um, yeah, in my mind, yeah. I'm like... I would have, like, the last bag I think I bought was two years ago, I wanted the Mansur Gavriel, the bucket bags, the mini ones, a black one. Mm-hmm. I wanted a black um, crossover bag because I didn't have one. And so I bought that in Brown Thomas and that's the other one that I would wear. If I'm not wearing yeah. the big Mansur Gavriel, bags are I wear. Gorgeous. Yeah. And they wear really They're well. They're a bit different They're a bit well. different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would be very kind of strategic. I would want a specific type of bag that I know I would use mm-hmm. regularly and so I would buy a really good one and you because, would think about it yeah and I would yeah. think about it and yeah. because there's no point like you know when we we're younger you'd buy bags here and there you buy bags from Topshop you buy them here and then after a couple of months you bin them and then you buy another one and then if you added up the money we spent it you might as well have gone and bought but yeah. of course we didn't think like that when we were younger it's just yeah. you know but now I would never like I never just buy a bag I just I'm happy with the ones I have and I think they're yeah. all you know doing a, a purpose right now and so yeah okay so that that was probably I think the most expensive one was the Alexander Wang one that I bought about five years ago and it's nice to say that you have one yeah. nice it's a bit mad thing, it's a bit yeah. out there like there's rose gold studs at the bottom of it like it's a real kind of yeah but that's kind of why I like him it's, it's kind of cool and quirky yeah, yeah. And it's a bit different and and I love it it's a great big hulk of a bag like it's got a big cr- uh, crossbody strap and but yeah it was it was worth it yeah it was worth it okay yeah um what's number one on your bucket list now um god I can't believe I'm gonna say this but it's to travel still really yeah yeah I really like lived away we lived away for so long on the other side of the world yeah that I really wanted travel around this side okay like I've never been to Scandinavia I really want to go yeah, to Scandinavia go. I want to go to Sweden I want to go to Denmark I want to go to Norway I want to go I want to go to Switzerland I want to go to Iceland like there's so many places yeah. I want to go that we never we've never been to like when we lived in the Middle East and Southeast Asia we did an enormous amount of traveling like mm-hmm. we went to Australia and we went to Thailand and we went to Indonesia and Malaysia and we went all over the Middle East and, and it was fantastic and I loved it but now that we're in Europe I want to do more here Yeah. so that's my and also the States I would like to get to the States as well like I was there when I was a kid a good few times but I yeah. haven't been back in adulthood really? no yeah. wow and, and I've never been to New York what? which is like a crime. I All my experience in the States was on the West Coast. So we had family, we still have some family living okay. in, in Los Angeles. And so that's where I would have gone. Yeah. But I've never been to the East Coast. God, I think I take it for granted because I'm there like... It's your crew. And, I see it yeah. as a like the airport code, yeah, not yeah. as the city. I'm like, oh, that hotel. Know. You know, my so. cousin actually is a pilot and um, he's on that route. Yeah. He, he does the East Coast and... Like every time I meet him, I'm like, where were you this week? And he's like, well, I was in Chicago. And then I was in New York. And I'm like, oh, where are you? That's great. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't even get over it for like a yeah. weekend. But it's just planning and like getting yeah. organized. And But yeah, that's that's my bucket list now is to do more travel this side of the world okay. in the States. And, so and do you have anything booked or anything at the moment? Um, not really. We're, we're always a bit last minute. Like yeah. it depends on... We're very now stuck into the school calendar yeah, and sort of so. when he's this and that and midterm breaks and whatever. So and then it depends on work. And so you kind of have to wait till all those things collide to go, oh, actually, we've three this days here perfect. or. Yeah. yeah. And so and that's how we usually roll. So and it's fine. It suits us. Yeah. So. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, what is your prized possession? My prized possession is um, this ring. Obviously, you can't see it because I'm on the podcast, but it's uh, <laughs> what a great medium I know, to talk about. I know. Well done, Simone. <laughs> <laughs> so delighted you invited me on this. 
um, it's my grandmother's engagement ring that my oh, mum gave wow. me. She was kind of threatening to give it to me for a few years. And I was like, Jesus, no, like what'll happen? I'll lose yeah. it. Like, oh my God. Um, but then she gave it to me like two years. It's when we moved home. I think it was very symbolic. Right. Okay. She was like, you finally moved home. <laughs> yeah. Here is this ring. <laughs> so yeah, that's my most prized possession. I wear it every day with my wedding ring. And so it's a real like family heirloom. I think yeah. I think my grandfather bought it in um, like the 20s, 1920. Oh, wow. So it's real. He bought it in Dublin on O'Connell Street from a jeweler's. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole like history behind it. So hence the fear. Yeah, the <laughs> absolute yeah. terror. But yeah, that's my most prized possession. Oh, that's a lovely one. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you ever give it to Charlie to like use as an engagement ring? I don't know, yeah, probably. If she was worthy enough. If you like enough. her. <laughs> yeah, I probably so would. <laughs> In a few oh, years, God. if I see her and I she's know. not wearing the ring. I, do, we'll I like the her. idea. Like, I wouldn't be very, um, what's the word? With stuff, you know. What's, you wouldn't be very sentimental with Yeah, I'm with not this, very. No, I'm generally, too. I wouldn't be sentimental with things. Right, um, okay. But I do feel like it's quite unusual or unique to have a family early, yeah, like a proper yeah. one, so... Um, and like I remember my grandmother wearing it and everything so yeah, it's real so you know there's a bit of feeling there yeah yeah. so I don't know <laughs> yeah. I give it to someone else. I will be buried with I this ring <laughs> oh, yeah. um, what perfume do you wear now? well so my favourite perfume for the last I'd say four or five years is YSL this is, I mean oh. I can't believe this I'm very loyal to YSL obviously is um, Black Opium oh yeah that is very nice. I love it. I know they've brought out different versions of it since then. Yeah. I don't like them. I like the original. the original. So I always buy it in duty free. I was actually in the Middle East when it launched. I actually went to the launch party in the Middle East. Okay. And I remember smelling it and thinking, oh my God, it's like coffee and licorice. And it's the most amazing fragrance. Sweet yeah, scent. sweet. I get like kind of like flower bomb but more expensive yes. and a bit heavier yeah. but in a it's very unique non-sickly way like in a nice way yeah, you know? yeah. Like there was certainly at the time it came out nothing like it yeah and I just like we got one at the event and I remember thinking oh this is lovely and I used it up and I thought oh I'll just buy another one and then mm-hmm. whatever happened now or years later I'm yeah. still <laughs> yeah. buying it in duty free and I love it yeah. it's my fail safe absolutely love it although I do have um, I got a bottle of the new YSL one the other day. Oh, Libra? Uh, yeah, Dua Lipa, I think, is the face of it. And that is yeah, very nice. That's nice. Um, so I'm kind of, at the moment now, I'm between the two of those, both okay. YSL, which is mad when I think about yeah. it. And I was 17 that I also wore YSL. So they that's, were mad. Yeah. They do go. have lovely they perfumes. They do, so. agree. Yeah, and their men's cologne is very, very nice as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they do it well. They do the fragrance well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Your biggest worry now my biggest worry now is probably, it's a real adult worry, but it's probably just health. Yeah. You know, that we are well and that Charlie is well and he continues to be well and we stay healthy to be around too, which is really, I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm in my mid-30s. I know I'm still young and everything, but it really is a, a thing. Yeah. You know, we think about just staying healthy and trying to look after ourselves and and Charlie being healthy and but that's probably my biggest worry is one mm-hmm. of us getting sick yeah, or something happening like that. You know, like it's, you know, in the morning, like Charlie going to school, it's like a military operation. Like, here's your orange juice. Have you had your vitamin? Here's your Weetabix. Yeah. Like, it's literally <laughs> yeah. like one after the other, you do know. Do you do the face cloth and screw we have actually, We actually have a cream that we put on for like okay. dry skin. And like, I think we drive mad, to be honest. Like, he's these steps he has to go yeah. through every morning, you know. But I'm like, I'm just keeping you healthy, you know. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that that would be my biggest worry is somebody becoming ill yeah. or something happening. Yeah. I think that's natural though. I think we all... That's, oh, totally. That's what happened. Jonathan just got yeah. a new job and I was like, is there health insurance? I know. Because I can't afford it. Really? That's, that's <laughs> like what we think about. Yeah. If somebody gets sick and you don't have health insurance, you know, I don't know. It's not even... Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, but it is. That's the but thing. it's expensive though, so it is hard to. Yeah. But it, it it is worth it. Yeah, it is. I agree. I finally have it. I'm like, I'm gonna book in for a full MRI. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up everything. I was like, this is gonna be it now. I'm going for your full <laughs> well woman. I'm like, we're gonna find something. I know. Like, you know? But yeah, so that's awful. the other thing. You're like convinced in your mind. But I think we do do that to ourselves yeah. when we're older. Like, you're in your thirties. We all get it now. Everybody has twinges and pains and random yeah. aches that come up out of nowhere, and you think. <gasps> And you go on Google, which is not a good idea, let's be you, honest. Yeah. And you're like, well, Diagnose I'm dying. Yourself. I'm basically dying. Yeah. Whatever it is. Honestly, <laughs> like I was saying earlier, it's so cycle class. A few people messaged me saying there's something, ramps a bleep, I don't know, yeah. a big long word. And basically it like fucks up your kidneys. Oh, Jesus and they were like, and your pee will be the colour of tar. So oh every time I go to the toilet, God. I'm like, am I okay? No. Fully thinking no. I've damaged my kidneys from so cycle. You just get so paranoid. I know. You do. And then also, I think, you know, we know we're less invincible now. Yeah. Like we do see now all the time women that we know or women that, that we know through other people or that get sick, that mm-hmm. get cancer, that die, certain things happen. Or, you know, there's there's always now, you know, GoFundMes or trying to help certain people. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, we are getting older. Like we've lost that invincibility we had when we were young of like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna live forever, you know. Yeah, the GoFundMes are amazing. Oh, they're incredible. But I then they're, they're also every day aware of yeah. what's around the corner. And like, I mean, they really are the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really think they are a fantastic way yeah. for families to get help. And, and a lot of the time, I think, as well, it's a communication tool. It's a way of letting people know this is what's happening to us. Sure, you can't tell yeah. everybody, you know, or people you know would help you. You don't, people don't have time. Yeah. And so these amazing people step up for people in their family and Mm -hmm. set these up and say, we need help. And I think they're fantastic. You know, a little donation that you make or I make like 20 euro, 50 euro. And then if a thousand of us do that, like it really. It's not even a takeaway. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I really, I really think they are amazing. Um, That was my resolution this year, once a month. Yeah. And whenever like I get sent it. one, like if yeah. a friend sends me one or whatever, I will always make a donation because yeah. I just think 100%. it's such a small amount in the grand scheme of yeah. things. You know, why not? I would hope that somebody would do it for yeah, me exactly. if it was me. So and that's always how I think about it. Like touch wood, nothing like that will ever happen to us. But if it did, I would hope because of the times that I did it, I would think that other people would think I'll just do it. Yeah. You know. Because it's very morbid, Orla. Thanks for that. <laughs> we'll end here. <laughs> no, I know, could you imagine? And that concludes the podcast. In conclusion, always donate to GoFundMe's. Jesus. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> How are you going to get away from this? Thank God oh. this is an okay, appropriate question. Oh, great. Okay. Now, where will you be in 10 years? Where will I be in 10 years? God, there's a real theme here. I will probably be overseas. I don't know where. Really? Yeah, I'm telling you. There's. there's what age will Charlie be in ten years? Seventeen. He'll be seventeen. Yeah. He'll yes, probably be he like, could. well, I'm not going. Whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. the two of you are off to. <laughs> Love you, but bye. You know. 
like when, when I think about it, when I was 17, I wasn't here. I was I had yeah. gone already overseas. So maybe he'll just do the same. I don't know. Or he might want to go with you. He might you never go. know. I would love it. Yeah. I say to him now, I'm like, you can live with me for the rest of your life. <laughs> He's like, yeah, mom, love you. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I mean it. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get married? Your wife can live here with us. Like, you never have to leave home. <laughs> I'm going to be one of those mothers. Yeah. Um, you know, like in 10 years, I'll be in my mid 40s. And part of me saying that is because when we lived away, we were very young within the expat community comparatively. Yeah. So a lot of the people that we knew and became friends with were in their mid 40s. Yeah. A lot of them had gone at that point. And so I think if we're going to do it again, that's probably when we would go. Yeah. Or maybe we would be away already or or maybe we won't. I mean, if you ask me now, I'm going to say we probably will be overseas. Yeah. But Plans maybe we won't. Never, maybe yeah. we'll be 12 years in Dublin at that point. Yeah. And I'll be living my best life and thinking, what was I thinking about living overseas? Yeah. <laughs> this is the life, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, I would probably be overseas. but And it'll be interesting to see in 10 years where would be the place that everyone's going to. Yeah, like I certainly at 17, I certainly would never have envisaged the life that I've had yeah. in the time between 17 and now. Yeah. Like I know I would have traveled and done a bit more, but I would never if somebody told me like this is the kind of life you'll have lived by yeah. the time you're 35. I would have been like, no way. Yeah. You know, there's no yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. There's no way. But of course, that's that just... rain. Where is that on a map? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So it'll probably be something similar. Okay. We'll probably have another 10 years of shenanigans overseas. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know. But yeah, maybe. That's you're where open we'll be. to oh, anything yeah. at oh, the yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's in our veins. You know, it's just want to do stuff and travel and... But then equally, I'm quite happy where I am as well. Yeah, so yeah. like I can kind of make, I don't know, I can kind of make it work wherever. Yeah. Like if somebody said to me, okay, Simone, you're going to stay in Dublin for the rest of your life or you're going to stay in Ireland, you're going to live in Galway. Fine. That's fine. Yeah. I don't mind. That's that's grand. We'll we'll do that. Or if somebody said you're going to move to Australia tomorrow and you're going to live there for five years. Okay, fine. We'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Just do. Like I've never been one to cling onto a door frame and be dragged anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we just go with the flow and whatever happens will happen and wherever we go, we'll go. God. Colours of the wind. <laughs> Pocahontas. We need a bit of theme music here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, so that's the answer to that question. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming Oh my in. God, thanks for having me. It's, it's been brilliant. It's flown by. I'm like, oh my God. Especially the rosé that you provided I'm was a- wonderful. It's not bad, actually. <laughs> it's not bad. It's really good. I've been looking at that bottle for a while mm. and every time I'm like... It's very pale. That's usually my way of rating. Yes. So. There's one called Notorious oh, really? something. Is that Conor McGregor's rosé? <laughs> oh my god, imagine if he brought out a notorious rosé. I would imagine. <laughs> well, I'll get it for the next time. <laughs> Great. I'll get a, a little Conor McGregor sticker and put it on the back just so That'd we can. That'd be so funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, delighted with that now. Yeah. Honestly, Boston must just be like, what is wrong with her yeah. every time they see my suitcase? I always think that's a great way to buy rosé, though. Even if you have, if you've only got like three or four minutes and you're running into a supermarket, yeah. just scan by the colour. The palest, so the, the paler nicer. it is, usually it means the lighter, the drier it is. The darker, it's way more, more sweet. syrupy. And like, yeah, syrupy. Yeah. So, so I usually, even if I don't have time to read them, but I know I need to grab a bottle, I would just scan for like the palest one and then get that one. Yeah, yeah I um, walked in the other day and they were doing a rosé testing. 
Oh, wow. And I had two little Oh, my God, shot I live in the dream. And I nearly fucking stumbled out of the Really? It's very just, strong. I had just landed. So I was like, I haven't eaten I wonder what day. the volume was. It must have been high, wasn't I it? I don't know, but it was that notorious one. So oh, there you go. go. <laughs> that's why it's called Notorious <laughs> then. <laughs> On the floor. God, that's a very good name if yeah. it's very strong. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we'll find out soon enough. Oh, my God. <laughs> But yeah, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. It's been absolutely wonderful, Laura. It has. Cheers. I have nothing left. Cheers. (laughs) Clink, clink, clink.